Welcome back, everybody. This is week eight of Campus to Caching. We are trucking down this road that we call the college football season. And after last week's solo pod, I don't think I've ever been so happy to see you, Ethan. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. And uh, a big weekend for uh, some college football teams, specifically yours. Yeah. Uh, big, big game against Ohio State this weekend. Yeah, definitely. It's uh it's it's a little bit of do or die for, for Penn State as as is every year around this time, but uh I feel pretty good about it. I think uh I think Ohio State is a, a great team, but not up to what they usually are. And I think if you're Penn State, this is as close to a must win for uh college football chances at, or college football playoff chances uh, as we're gonna see this year. I think Michigan uh I think it's possible to lose one of these games between Michigan and Ohio state and still make the playoffs. And uh, I, I like our chances a lot better against Ohio state than against Michigan. So. Yeah. And I, I'm curious to like, does it, it, does losing to one help you more than losing to the other? Like this actually kind of feels like a season where you have to be undefeated or an sec one loss team type of thing, because other, it just feels like there's a really good likelihood of Oklahoma ending undefeated you know, if Penn State or any Big Ten team wants to try to get in with one loss and not winning the Big Ten championship, then you have to hope that like Oklahoma loses, that Pac-12 champ yeah. is under, you know, has one loss. So it's interesting. You know, Texas might have a leg up because they their only loss to Oklahoma and it was tight, and they played Bama, and there's just a lot of things, lots of moving pieces. But uh, it'll get even yeah. more exciting as you know, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State start to play each other for sure. So yeah. There's a lot of football left for sure. What uh, what's the vibe on on week eight? Just overall thoughts on the the slate. I have played around with it a little bit. We have a it seems like a lot of different options and some quarterbacks priced up, but not necessarily. Uh, there's definitely options around the board. So, what's yeah. kind of your take on on the slate so far? Yeah, um, I haven't messed a whole lot with actual lineup building, um, but just overall on the game selections that uh, the DraftKings put out, you know, it seems like there's a good smattering of, of different options. I like that they gave us a few, or they gave us a MAC game, MAC conference game. They gave us some uh, American, uh, some some quality G5 games, you know. We even have a, a service academy showdown as well. So um, it's going to be a little weird uh, with, with the... Uh, the variety that we have to choose from, but overall, I think there are some really nice matchups to target. Um, I think that there is some potential for some high shootout games, definitely talking about Minnesota and Iowa. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to jump into it. Yeah. You make it, we'll, we'll hit quarterbacks here in a second, which honestly is kind of the part of, of these kind of these, uh, Mac and conference, not, not conference USA Mac and like the Navy Academy type games, there, there are some interesting options. It's wild. Curtis yeah. Ork, I guess, was the most surprising. I haven't yeah. followed like a ton of Maction yet because it's not November. Yeah. But I was shocked at how low his price was. And then I looked at his actual performance. Yeah. And it's been underwhelming. You know, he is, I think, I think something like 5,700 on DraftKings. Yeah. Is that something that uh, is really appealing to you? Or do you think he's just not back to 2022 levels? Um. Yes, to both. Um, I think that he's not back to 20, uh, 22 levels, but um, I think the potential for big games is still in his repertoire for sure. Um, I mean, they're not playing anybody 
anybody great. Uh, you've got Western Michigan this week. So um, it's definitely been a little lackluster for this Ohio offense in general. Um, O'Shawn Allison really uh, taking the wind out of a lot of people's sails with, you know, Bangura and uh, with the injury early to Rourke, he hasn't really had the opportunity to, to get in rhythm, but you know, you want Rourke to be at his, his best, his peak play during Mac, uh, Mac play. So I'm not worried about it. Uh, 5,700 allows a lot of uh, salary relief and a lot of creativity to go elsewhere. Um, so I think he is absolutely in, in play in my, my player pool this week. Are you more inclined to play him or Jensen Jones, the other kind of smaller, not small school, but like a G5 quarterback that's for him, he's popped into the starting role due to Zach Larry or being hurt. It's almost a near 99% conclusion that Jensen will be a starter. Yeah. Are you more inclined to play one of them over the other? Uh, you know, that's a great question because whenever looking at a, uh, a slate for the tournaments, um, it's so easy to just get locked in on, oh yeah, well, Rourke is safer. So I'm going to play a lot more, a lot more Rourke. Um, the potential for a big game against Navy, um, is clearly there. I think Jones does have a higher ceiling, um, just with, you know, how funky that offense gets. Um, but it is a little thin uh, in my eyes because they have so many options uh, to run the ball against Navy. Um, so I'd probably am going to have more Rourke, uh, but from a um, you know a game theory uh, perspective and wanting to minimize your um, percent owned in your in your lineup, uh, Jensen Jones is a great option. Uh, Fifty four hundred is super cheap for anybody who runs. Uh, it's interesting though, because we want those super cheap quarterbacks who run and kind of pass. And I don't know what kind of passing production, if any, you're going to get from him. So, um, it's, it's, it's intriguing for sure. And I think that I'll have a sprinkling of Jones, but more roar at the end of the day. I think I would agree with that. I think ultimately Jones probably is the safer play. Um, I seems like a lock that he's going to get like 15, 18 carries, it's just more a matter of like, are they successful enough for him to hit the hundred yard mark? Does he get a touchdown or two? Yeah, I think his upside. I don't know. I, I feel like his upside is limited, but then there's always the possibility of any triple option quarterback of getting four rushing touchdowns, right? Absolutely. Like, so I think uh, a heavy majority of the time, yeah, his upside is going to be limited because it's just not likely he gets the three or four touchdowns he needs because he doesn't yeah. have any passing. Uh, but I do think Rourke is a, maybe a little bit more risky because that offense is kind of in, in shambles compared to years past. And the nice thing is I think he's had some improved games more recently, Rourke. So I do yeah. lean more Rourke in the slate. At the top of the board, are you more – I guess who's your top quarterback? Maybe we'll just start it with that. Who's the top guy you're looking for? Yeah, I'm probably – you know, it's it's tough. Um, I love Bo Nix. But I think this week I'm probably leaning Gabriel as my top quarterback. I'm a sucker for a revenge game narrative and uh, getting the chance to play Central Florida here uh, in Norman, um, I think is going to be uh, really tantalizing and, and really interesting um, to, to watch that play out. Um, I, you know, I don't love Cam Ward uh, this week, but I think that he is a guy who... I'll 
still have some exposure to. He's not a guy who I'm, I'm totally crossing out of my player pool this week, but um, you know, it's going to be interesting for him. Is, is that offense getting healthier is part of the reason why they struggled because, you know, Lincoln Victor was out one week and then Josh Kelly got banged up last week. Um, really trying to figure out what exactly is the cause for them seemingly hitting a wall the past two weeks uh, in terms of offensive efficiency. Um, Oregon, you know, they can't, they can't afford a loss. Um, so I, I think that they're looking to bounce back, but um, I would probably rank them uh, Gabriel Nix and then a few other guys. And then, then coming back to Ward on that one. What about you? I unsurprisingly uh, agree. I think Gabriel has been just so good uh, in 2023. Yeah. I think he's probably averaging something around low 30s in games that, in terms of fantasy points in games that he's played the full game. Um, and he seems super safe, like because he does run. There's just yeah. so many different ways for him to get to 25 fantasy points that to make it very safe yeah. uh, and you feel comfortable with. Bo Nix is kind of the same way. I just, you know, you worry, like, what's the deal? Why has nothing clicked in terms of these huge 40-plus fantasy point games? Yeah. Um, I, so I really like him because I think there is some safe – he is a good safety net. He does need a little bit more touchdown equity than he's getting. And nice thing is Washington State just gave up, like, 44 points to Washington yeah. State, right? Yeah. So the matchup is there. And I wonder, you know, last week I talked about, well, what does Oregon do in this big matchup? Do they just, and more specifically with like quarterback or running back, do they give Bucky a ton of, uh, you know, ton of carries? Do they right. lean on a bow more? And they seem to lean more on Bucky, but Bucky's not big enough to do that consistently. Exactly. Against a lesser opponent, do they kind of get pumped the brakes a little bit on him? So that's why I'm still very much in on Bo Nix and I will have a ton of them. Um, not on Cam Ward at all. You know, I, I play nice. I say something positive about him, and this is how he treats me. Yeah. The couple clunkers. Uh, you know, so I'm not leaning uh, towards him there. Bumping down in terms of pricing, I kind of like Baby Bo a good bit, a.k.a. Garrett Green. Um, <laughs> he's seemingly come on pretty strong. Yeah. And he moves. He runs well. So I like him. Do you like him? more than a guy like Seth Hennigan, who also has been uh, really a really solid CFF quarterback more recently. Man, I'm glad, I'm glad you picked the exact other guy that I wanted to talk about with Hennigan there. So um, I, between the two, you know, if they were both the same price, I would, I would lean Hennigan. Um, but I feel like green, you know, it's $500 cheaper. Um, I think you have a little bit, higher expectation of, of rushing equity um, with green over Hennigan. I think Hennigan, you know, he can run, but it's not, you know, essential in his game. Um, like I feel green uh, has that capability. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I just really love the idea of rolling out Seth Hennigan when he's the top G five option, I believe of, amongst some really good names. I just feel like he's going to be the lower owned option. Um, and so in tournaments, I really think Seth Hennigan is a great play. Um, I don't shy away from, you know, playing a little game stack there with, with Memphis and UAB. I think there's a, a potential that that game gets, gets pretty high scoring. Um, I'm also not really sure as if there's one team that just really 
gives me you know the bad breaks in daily fantasy and and all of the above it's oklahoma state like oklahoma state i never i I never pick the right guys on oklahoma state and i never choose to attack oklahoma state when they actually should be attacked like there's just something weird about they get up for games you don't think they will um so you know that's my own little bias there that i've got to contend with but I think green is a, a fine option. Um, I just prefer Hennigan in the tournaments overall. Yeah, it is in Oklahoma state's like not one to be trusted. Yeah. I think Gundy <laughs> has proven that over his years. I think both are great options. Hennigan to me feels safer. You know, Blake Watson was more limited last week. And so you're, yeah. you, you think, okay, well like this could be a potential positive right do they use hennigan around the goal line more just to kind of preserve them it's a long season you know we're in week eight but there's still five six games left for almost every one of these teams right so you wonder do they kind of you they've really hammered blake watson in the last month so you wonder if that usage decreases a little bit just to keep them safe um the one note that i like about green is you know you mentioned not predicting him right i guess i'm guessing you didn't have a ton of jason bean last week if you played because he threw for like 400 albeit he didn't run for anything yeah i think we might see kind of like a middle ground between the two where green runs for somebody throws for 300 right so i think both are really good options green definitely has some risk because he just seems to get hurt at least once or twice mid game per season like that just feels at some point he's gonna get hurt with like 14 points in the second quarter and you're just (laughs) bummed that you don't get the second half we get kind of this like la la land of this middle section here yeah. with like Milrow and Donovan Smith and Drew Aller, who we're going to speak to and flex or fade and same with like Kyle McCord. Is there someone around this like 7,500, 8,500 range that you like and think is, is worth paying up for? Um, there's nobody who I'm going to be prioritizing um, in that price range. Um, We'll get to my thoughts on on Aller and McCord for flex or fade, but um, Milton and Jefferson, I think, are some really interesting options. KJ Jefferson's just kind of been disappointing this year in general, um, but I think this Mississippi State uh, offense or defense is uh, attackable. I think that being at home also helps them out. Um, this seems like a game where if KJ Jefferson is going to kind of remind everybody who he was and and who he potentially still could be. Uh, this seems like the kind of game that, that you would be okay attacking him there. Um, Joe Milton has been Joe Milton this year and uh, really makes us think about how high we had projected him in the off season. But I think Tennessee going up against Bama, this is the kind of game where, Heupel knows he's going to have to live and die by Joe Milton. And so why not just really play to his strengths? Um, So I could see a narrative there where he um, does have a little bit more dialed up and a little bit more schemed for him um, facing a tough Bama team. He's going to have to be on and he's going to have to be Joe of of, uh, the Orange Bowl uh, last year. But Um, you know, that feels both of those plays feel like you could really fall flat on your face with them. So, um, I won't have any super high exposure. Um, but what about you in that, that, uh, general price range? What are your your thoughts? It's, it's pretty gross. 
you get a lot of low totals, you know, even though yeah. we both kind of like the quarterbacks in the Penn State Ohio State game, there those totals for both teams are so low. Yeah, you know, it's just it is tough. Milrose got a tough or I shouldn't say a tough matchup, but um Tennessee in that game is a fairly low scoring game. Yeah. Um, I think I would lean, you know, obviously like Milrow more than Milton, clearly, but he seems to have not, he's not bringing as much value on the ground as we thought he would, which is super shocking. And then Joe yeah. Milton, he just seems to be, they've, they're playing like real game manager ish with to him. Yeah. Like to me. So bizarre. <laughs> it, it's weird. If there was one guy I'm taking a shot on, it's probably Donovan Smith. Okay. Um, you know, I think ultimately he's got rushing potential. He's had some huge games. I was asking Jared about like where he stands in the overall season. He had a couple of real clunkers and he's still a yeah. top 20, like top 18 fantasy quarterback That's this year. Terrible. And some of it's garbage time. And guess what? They're like 17 or 18 point underdogs or something like that. So I think he could get garbage time. I don't care when he gets it. Just give me the, the give me the 30 points, Donovan. Just do it. I don't care when, just give it to me. Yeah. So I think he's intriguing. Um, yeah. Plum was a little interesting too at, uh, at 7,900. Yeah. You without know, a it, doubt, without a doubt, I'm ready to be hurt again with Plumley. Oh yeah. I mean, it just comes down to health and, and whether or not he's, he's full go, but yeah, he's, he's a guy who I like in that range as well. I think he's definitely worth some usage. Um, yeah. Cause at least, you know, like, if he plays, you're pretty much feeling really good about what he's going to do, right? Yeah. And this Oklahoma game could be 45-52 type. Like, wouldn't yeah. shock me at all. It's just a matter of can he finish the game, which is yeah. kind of like a Garrett Green uh, example. But Yeah, um, even thinner. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so Jared had mentioned in the past, you know, CFF style, uh, Jacob Zeno is a as a popular quarterback. He's kind of fallen down more recently, yeah. and they are seemingly rotating quarterbacks. Are you? Yeah. What is the vibe of UAB quarterback? Because this Memphis game, as you mentioned earlier, should be very high scoring. It should be one of the higher scoring games of the slate. Yeah. So if we're trying to find spots to to get some of that action, where do we get it? And obviously, quarterbacks an easy one. So what's your vibe or take on how they use quarterbacks for uh, UAB? Yeah, I mean, it just seems like it's been inconsistent for Zeno. Um, I mean, you mentioned his his early performance and and really starting off with a strong start. I mean, the, the out-of-conference games, even against Georgia, you know, putting up 25, 30 points um, from a fantasy perspective. Uh, Tulane and UTSA uh, were both road games and and felt like they were uh, solid opportunities to, you know, flex their muscles a little bit, but the the American Conference just has some stout defenses this year, especially in Tulane. Um, that I, I can see, I can see why there was the the struggle there. I I do think they're going to lean on Zeno uh, down the stretch. I don't think this is uh, Little's uh, spot just yet. Um, and looking at the game log as well, I mean, it does seem like he plays his best football, uh, at home in Birmingham. So I'm open to, uh, to playing some Zeno. Uh, I am a little bit nervous, you know, just with the usage, but, um, I think that there's a good potential there for him, um, that if he starts strong and, and it seems to be a little bit of a recurring 
theme with our, our quarterbacks this week. Um, huge boomer bust potential. If he starts strong, this could be a, uh, a dominant performance from a fantasy perspective. But um, if he does struggle and, and Liddy gets in there, that's, that's You're in definitely trouble. a concern. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to running backs. Um, Jonathan Brooks is my top running back. I'll just go out and say it. I think it just makes so much sense to roll him out. You know, yeah. I think for weeks, I specifically was saying, hey, I'm always just kind of concerned. Is Are they going to start giving Baxter more love, like pr- coming off that injury? Like, is he going to get those snaps yeah. built up? He really doesn't seem to be getting any change that he's just really that running back two. You know, we're going to see the same type of usage we saw for Bijan last year in this offense for, for Brooks. Yeah. And he's been huge. He's capitalized. He's been incredible. And his price is mid-7K. Is is he your top running back, or is there someone else that uh, you think is more deserving? Yeah, I, I think he's pretty well locked in. If Blake Watson was uh, a confirmed start, I might lean Watson. Um, but, you know, health is just kind of iffy there. Um, I think CJ Donaldson has some juice, too, getting a little bit cheaper. Um, you know, same. I mean, it's, it's essentially the same argument we've made for Derek Green that, you know, I think this defense is attackable. And I think West Virginia seems to be, you know, locked in uh, CJ Donaldson for, um, you know, a good goal line role and as well as, you know, having 15 to 20 opportunities a game. Um, so I, I think that he's a good option, but. Definitely top of the board, you know, Jonathan Brooks, even, uh, you know, Braylon Allen. Um, I don't, I don't hate, I, I wish that we did see a little bit more workhorse role, uh, for Allen, but we, we are, are not really getting the Braylon Allen of, of previous years. So, um, that's a little disappointing. Uh, what about you? Uh, so you, you said Jonathan Brooks is your, your top play there. Do you have any other? Uh, you know, 65 and above uh, that you're having a, a decent ownership of? Um, I think there's a couple guys that are really appealing. Bucky Irving, obviously, if they continue to use him like they did last week, I mean, how could you not, right? Yeah. They're often, Oregon just scores so many points. Yeah. Anybody that's going to get 15 to 20 touches is worth is worth having. Blake Watson, super appealing. I think he'll be at or near full strength and not limited um i think they kind of picked and choose where they could use him in a limited fashion or what they were forced to do i think they'll feel a little bit more forced to play him but the guy i think we mentioned it earlier i'm i'm totally gonna get bit by this (laughs) ollie gordon has jumped to the top of that depth chart and his ran with it literally and figuratively yeah i think he's averaging over 20 carries a game uh the last three weeks and ultimately this matchup doesn't scare me at all. And yeah. if I'm going to get 55 to 65% of carries, I'm taking that. And he's even being used in the passing game. So yeah. I think he's a really, really strong play and worth uh, using in a, a pretty good bit. It's more a matter of, you know, when you start breaking down Brooks versus Bucky and Blake and him, how does maybe a little bit of salary relief here and there with some of yeah. these other cheaper options, how, where does it take, take away from? Yeah. Speaking of a little bit of a salary relief option, not super low, but Air Force running backs are always kind of sketchy, right? Because all of a sudden yeah. a guy doesn't play or all of a sudden guy's a backup. But Emmanuel Michel, I'm going to turn yeah. his name up a little bit, Michel, 
has seemingly been like the guy, like the, I think the guy that everybody wanted John Lee Elridge to be, but yeah. any qualms using him this weekend? No, um, I think, I think he's a uh, strong option. I'm even, you know, open to using a little bit of Owen Burke. Um, I think there's an argument to be made that if your quarterback is down, if you don't, if you have any, um, hesitation on the ball security skills of your backup quarterback. Uh, I think a guy like Owen Burke makes a lot of sense as the goal line option. Um, just being that bigger body and being um, such a, a bruiser down there, I think that he could see potentially some more um, goal line carries uh, if there is any concern about putting the ball in a uh, an inexperienced quarterback's hands. Um, but yeah, I I really like Michelle this week. Um, I think that he's a, a great option. Yeah. I see him in like the low forties percentage of usage. Yep. Um, you make a good point about Burke, you know, Jensen Jones did have a fumble in limited action. So you wonder in these kind of big, you know, big situations, how do they, how do they handle it? Do they give it to yeah. Jones? Do they give it to Burke? Do they give it to Michelle? That type yep. of thing. Um, another guy similarly priced a little bit more expensive and gets us a piece of this big Memphis game, Memphis UAB game is Jermaine Brown jr. Absolutely. Uh, I think we were all, I think there were people super in on Brown and then we were like, wait a second in the off season. Then we were like, wait a second. Like what is Trent Dilfer going to do? We have no idea. He kind of has just been playing around with how he uses running backs. (laughs) It seems like he's now decided, oh, I know what actually works and helps. And it seems to be Brown getting 15 to 20 total touches, especially with some nice pass game usage. For sure. Where does he kind of rank um, value-wise, you know, at cost? Yeah, I think he's going to be a very popular option this week in builds. Um, I think that he has a shot to be in the conversation for the highest owned running back this week, um, just in terms of uh, DFS. Um, especially if Isaiah Jacobs uh, is is confirmed out, I, I believe he is. Um, but, uh, you know, if it's just one less mouth to, to feed. And I, yeah, I'm looking at it now. He is out for the season, and uh, Jacobs is. So mm-hmm. um, one less mouth to feed in that, that – uh, blazer backfield um so i i really like uh jeremy brown you mentioned his passing work um was able to go over 100 yards receiving last last week um so yeah it, in a game that has such a high total on a slate that doesn't have a whole lot of shootouts uh to, to target um i really do like jermaine brown there um I feel like we have to uh, to talk Penn State running backs though um, in this one yes. against, I need against to know, Ohio State. I need to. I'm going to tee this up for you because I need to know this. I was actually messaging <laughs> a buddy on the side about how to project the Penn State running backs. Yeah, because it's you know going into the season and for the first four or five weeks we've seen consistently pretty much uh, you know. Katron starting technically, but really they're 50-50 in terms of running back touches. Yeah. And then he gets banged up. Katron yeah. Allen does against Northwestern. Yeah. I don't think the injury was severe because he played against UMass, but it was a right. blowout. And Singleton still got like 20 carries. So what should we expect in terms of uh, usage between the two against Ohio State? 
I really expect Katron to lead the charge um, in terms of ground game. Um, I mean, we say it, we say it a lot about how, you know, Katron is the thunder to Nick Singleton's lightning. Um, if there was any question about Katron's uh, health, he would not have played against uh, UMass. Um, really bad weather conditions um, for that game. There would have been no reason to run him out there and risk additional injury if the coaching staff was at all concerned. Um, especially with the Ohio State game on the horizon. They did limit him a little bit, and I think that was just the precaution of, hey, this is not a game that we need him in. Um, but he still looked strong and, and powerful in, in the backfield last week too, even on just you know a handful of touches. Um, I'm really interested in how Mike Yurisich is going to try and attack the Ohio State defense. Um, part of me thinks that this is the week that, you know, they open up the passing game a little bit more. They haven't had to use the passing game, um, to lean on. I mean, even in, you know, gosh, the closest, uh, competition was probably the West Virginia game to start the year. Um, and it's, it's been a, a, a minute since we've seen them go up against a, a team like that, um, or a team that has, you know, some, some firepower to, to answer back. Um, and it, that, that game really doesn't feel like a fair sample because it was Aller's first start. Um, we saw what Estime did to the Ohio State defense and his ability to get yards on the ground. Um, so I think that there's going to be a lean for Penn State to try and do similar things there. But I think that's leaning away from their strength. Um, I know they have two great running backs, but for whatever reason, the passing, uh, pass blocking has just been more consistent than the the run blocking um, for uh, for the offensive line, um, and I really do think that they try and air it out this week quite a bit. Um, so between the two, I will probably have some more Singleton because I think that his usage in the passing game is more significant. But I do think that this is going to be a very even split. Um, and if I had to pick one to have a little bit more work than the other, I would think that it's Katron Allen. Um, but I think his touches are just a little bit less valuable. Yeah, I think that's really well put. I mean, even if you look at the game logs, right? Like Singleton and Allen have similar rushing numbers, uh, but Singleton's been way more valuable in CFF. Yep. Uh, they seem, this is going to, you know, I think we've always kind of said in a sense, right? Like they're very similar in terms of uh, running backs groups compared yep. to Michigan, right? Like Coram and Edwards, one style, another style, maybe very different degrees. I've been super underwhelmed with both teams run games. And I've been more yeah. impressed in a sense with the past games. I think Aller just doesn't have any weapons and he's so fresh yeah. that he just is not, I think McCarthy's been more impressive passing, but he, I think he has a better system potentially and yeah. better game script. Like they've just been able to do whatever they wanted with zero risk. You know, Penn State's yeah. schedule hasn't been hard, but they've also, also played some yeah. more difficult games for sure. So yeah. brand new quarterback too, right? JJ didn't look like this last year. So exactly. this is a really interesting one to me because Allen's rushing prop is like 40 and a half or something like that on underdog. Yeah. And that just feels so low, you know, like too low. If both these guys get 15 carries, which is very, very reasonable. Yeah. 
It's just how do you not, how did both of them not run for sixty, which is their season yeah. average? So if you're playing underdog this week, I really like uh, I like the uh, Allen over in terms of rushing yards. But moving on, um, should I just like X out Jace McClellan? He rates so well in my projections each week, and I, I think you need to, man. Him. And it's just pathetic how bad yeah. he's been or average he's been in in all forms of of CFF, yeah. right? For sure. That's been a huge disappointment. And, you know, we thought that we'd see Bama really lean on him. And he's just, gosh, Alabama's still looking for a guy they can lean on, to be honest. <laughs> so it is su- so surprising. It is yeah. so surprising to see that they, they, they fluster, uh, that they're not doing as well as we thought they would. Rashad Dubinian at Arkansas seemed to be the guy as the RB1 for them last week, seemingly decent matchup, Mississippi State. Yeah. If Rocket Sanders is out, he feels like a pretty decent 4,500 play. Or do you yeah. think that that room is just could be good go one way or the other week over week? Yeah, I, I, there's definitely the argument to be made for that. You know, I, I don't even think Dubinion was the guy that they wanted to lean on when Sanders went down early in the season. But, um, you know, it seems like he did uh, kind of emerge a little bit as, as a more clear uh, option. I'm a okay with it price range. Um, I think that he lines up as a a solid play. Um, You know, part of the uh, theory and why I like KJ Jefferson a little bit more is with Sanders out, it feels like Jefferson might have the opportunity to take over a game a little bit more. So there is that fear, but for the price, it's hard to complain about that. Um, What are your thoughts there in, in Arkansas? I think he's a fine play. I think you'd be crazy not to use him a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's not like he's a bad running back, like a like a fill-in against a tough matchup like Alabama last week. But at 4,500 potential for 15 carries, uh, it's hard not to think that he's worth at least some some level of sprinkle. I don't know if there's that many cheap, cheap options here. Yeah. Which I'll, let's kick it over to is like maybe give you give me one very cheap... 4,500 and lower type guy. And if you don't have one off the top of your head, I can start us. Well, I don't, there's, there's one backfield I want to talk about before getting into the super cheap plays. And it's, it's right around the same price range. It's just a little bit more expensive. That Oklahoma backfield against uh, central Florida. I know narrative wise, it seems like Gabriel has a really good opportunity to vulture a lot of touchdowns this week against his former team. Um, but do you like any of the OU running backs this week? I know they've been a fickle mistress uh, most of the season, but uh, any any interest there? No, they're just not cheap enough. I just there's so many different ways they could play it. Um, Barnes could be back. Marcus Major could grab the majority of the carries. It could be Tawi again, yeah. or Major could have the most carries, but then Tawi gets like six goal line carries. Like I just yeah. think there's a lot of routes to just complete frustration and that's fair they're not cheap enough for me if we got some some clarity on the situation uh then i would be much more find me i would find it much more appealing but just not the case currently yeah that's fair um and i I was able to buy myself a little time and and find my uh, value play there with that so i appreciate the uh the filibuster um (laughs) My my uh, cheap play is is a little injury dependent um, on Blake Watson and you know how much he's going to be used. But Sutton Smith 
uh, at 4,000. Um, he seems to be Blake Watson light. Um, they, he's been a little inconsistent and I think that's just his inexperience shining through. Um, he started the year and it seemed like, you know, he had, um, some juice, especially in some blowout games, uh, that Bethune Cookman game to start the season. He went over a hundred yards, um, had two touchdowns, hasn't found the end zone since though. Um, and so I feel like if Blake Watson is out, um, it does create a really interesting dynamic, uh, trying to run the ball against UAB where they're definitely vulnerable. Um, there are a lot of mouths to feed and it definitely seems like Ducker and Thomas will become more of a factor if Watson is out. Um, but I do think that um, Sutton Smith is the only guy in that backfield that can do things similar to what Watson does in the passing game. So at 4,000, I really like that, uh, that upside if he is the, the RB1 for them. Yeah, good call out. I mentioned him on my tearing the competition, whatever that article is called. I do tearing <laughs> the competition. <laughs> uh, funny enough, I forgot the name of it and it's staring right <laughs> in the face. Uh, so I do like him, I think, for yeah. pretty much all the reasons you said, right? I think he's just a very versatile back. I'd like to see them get more rushing attempts under his belt, like in a situation. Like I was underwhelmed by his usage on the run game last week, but maybe that yeah. changes. But I do think it's worth a sprinkle. Um, and probably the equal amount that I would say Jackson Acker for Wisconsin yeah. gets. Uh, I talked about this last week, you know, in this big game against Iowa, you know, Rutgers just was never a matchup for them that they had to worry about, you know, hammering Braylon Allen. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I had mentioned against Iowa, do we see Braylon Allen all the fourth quarter or get the heavy majority of carries because it's a bigger, tougher game? Yeah. Well, you know, we saw the split lean heavy towards Braylon. I think against Illinois, considering it could be, a, I wouldn't say a potential blowout because uh, Mordecai's out, but they might lean on the run game heavier. And there's no way I don't think Braylon gets 20 plus carries. So I think Acker at 3,800 is certainly worth it. He's a bigger guy. I was, I don't know what I was expecting. Yeah. You know, when you get these random backups come in and start playing, you don't, oh, I yeah. you've, like looked at their roster page, which I just don't have enough time to do. You have no idea what they're going to look like. Yeah. And he's a big dude. I was yeah. kind of surprised, but I think he's worth it at a super cheap price. Yeah. I think that's, that's a fair call out. He was another guy who, you know, if you said you breaks the right way, you've got a, a really nice option cheap. Yeah. Um, and he looked pretty good against records. So yeah. moving to receiver, this is like all over the board. I mean, there's yeah. options everywhere. There's some question marks everywhere. Yeah. Where I've I've led the first two. Where do you want to start, Ethan? I'm a man of the people. What do you want? Man. Um I I mean, any slate Ohio State's on, I feel like you have to start with with the duo of Harrison Jr. and Igbuka. Igbuka health-wise, um, I saw Ryan Day say that he was optimistic that he'll be playing in this game. Um I, I, I'm going to call a little bullshit on that. I, I don't think Igbuka plays. Um, and it's it's all from the school of coach speak uh, that I'm making this, this, this distinction as well. When you have one of your biggest games of the year and you don't come out and say that, oh yeah, we'll see him playing and you just kind of casually mention it, I don't think that that is um, keeping your cards close to your vest. It seems to me that's more of a we're just not going to say anything because we want them to prepare for everything. Um, while still not, you know, 
exciting the fan base or getting making the fan base have unreasonable expectations about usage. So I'm I'm pretty confident that Igbuka is uh, going to be very limited in this game if we see him at all. Um, so he, I will have zero Igbuka to be quite frank. Um, so I think Harrison Jr. again is a, a great option. Um, it's a little scary playing a guy that expensive with a team total so low. Um, but that being said, Harrison Jr. has such a guaranteed workload if Igbuka doesn't play. Um, and you have to expect if they throw for any touchdowns against Penn State that Harrison Jr. has, you know, a 30% or higher chance of being the one to come down with it. So um, I, I I do like Harrison Jr. in this one. Um, how do you feel in general about, about those guys? I agree on the Igbuka part. Probably not as strongly. I, I think he probably, if I had a gun to my head right now, I think he plays, but it's just super limited. So I don't really want any of them. Yeah. Um, and I do like Marvin Harrison. I, I think ultimately he is just superstar material, obviously. Yeah. Did you watch the Purdue game by chance? Did you see any of that? No, I didn't. Well, I saw some highlights, but I didn't see. It, they, it is comical. Yeah. Kyle McCord is just in straight up chuck it mode. Like, where is Harrison? Oh, he's on the right side of the field. I'm I'll just lob it. it. <laughs> yeah. 50 yards. Not, it is comical the amount of usage he's going to get and yeah. how it's going to come yeah. um, because he just lobs it and throws it in his direction every time, yeah. which is, you know, as somebody that's trying to roster him in different formats, I think that's amazing. <laughs> that's, yeah. I love that for myself. Yeah. Um, so I do like him a good bit. And I think with his price point being high, you'll get lower, you know, usage and ownership. Um, like we saw last week with all those Washington and Oregon guys being so highly owned. Yeah. Uh, so good spot. And I don't think it'll be as, I, you know, I think Troy Franklin is an incredible play, yeah. uh, but he's a nice close pivot. And so I would say I probably lean Franklin as my number one, just because when you have the team total and the usage, yeah. you know, that makes more Oregon's, sense. Oregon's pushing, you know, more of a condensed U- workload, at least at the very top, which yeah. is great to see this year. So he's been, you know, just capitalizing because of it. Um, but I do like Harrison as a pivot um, at, a, at a lower uh, ownership yeah for sure it, it feels like the wide receivers in general this week you know you have some really good higher price guys that are facing decent competition so i feel like franklin may just benefit from the fact that he doesn't have a scary matchup um and see a a, a good deal of ownership there um let's talk about uh about ut and, and houston so we'll we'll bunch you know three guys plus the guys behind them into this combo with Golden, Sam Brown, and Xavier Worthy all within $200 of each other. Um, do you like either of those guys much more than the rest, or are there guys, um, particularly on the Texas side, do you like any of the cheaper options for Texas? I think, you know, the bye week helps, but, you know, there's almost like radio silence after bye weeks yeah, or during bye weeks. So I don't really know where Sanders stands. If Sanders is healthy and going to give it a go, yeah, I will feel pretty good about using him at a, a cheap rate. Yeah. You know, Xavier Worthy, technically speaking, is my second highest projected receiver um, yeah. in terms of fantasy points. So, I, of course, I like him. But I think just based on, like, the value and where his cost is, he's yeah. not – is gonna, he's not going to be a high play for me. Overall, the game is not going to be this. Both sides of the receiving groups are not going to be 
higher owned. I think I'm attacking this game with Brooks and then with Donovan Smith and like uh, lower owned rates, but in tournaments, yeah. you know, there's just a lot of different options. It's hard to project like AD, you know, one game he'll have four targets, one game he'll have 12, you know, like yeah. and that's just kind of hard to project. So I definitely will have a sprinkle of all the guys that just nothing at a significant rate. Yeah. I think that tracks, um, you know, it's been really interesting to watch the wide receiver breakdown between Golden and Brown and just where those targets are distributed and how Houston uses them. Um, I'm, I'm hesitant. I, and I, this is just, you know, I have a lot of exposure to both of them in, in season long and C to C. This feels like a game where you're not super jazzed about starting uh, either of them. I think that the opportunity is there. Um, and getting, you know, getting Texas at home is a, a huge pull for them. But um, that level up in competition seems on one hand, like they'll need to rely on their, those guys to make plays, but it also seems a little bit, uh, you know, worrisome to uh, roll them against some, some talented guys on that Texas defense. So um, looking elsewhere on the uh, slate, getting a little cheaper, um, you know, we've got Washington state guys uh, at Oregon mentioned, you know, LinkedIn, Lincoln Victor, he did play last week, I believe. So uh, he seems like he should get a go again this week. Um, Josh Kelly, uh, was injured, uh, at some point last week. Um, but it does seem like he is expected to play, at least from what I've seen. Um, have you heard anything, uh, on their health status or, or do you, or are these just, you know, guys who you're, you're interested in or not, not so much? I don't know how interested I am in them. And I don't know the health status of them, which kind of plays a part into it. It's like, yeah. which who can I rely on here to actually um, be in? You know, I think the passing attack has been underwhelming. It's not going to stay like that forever. Yeah. So I think it'd be dumb to just X them all out. But, it, you know, I would probably say in terms of ownership that it's just not going to be a whole lot for me. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you know, speaking of injuries and how potentially they could create value or kill you, um, there's a lot of other guys that have come into play here. Like this, this Andrew Anthony injury for Oklahoma has really opened up an interesting spot for Farouk, for Drake Stoops, uh, but I think most specifically Nick Anderson, yeah, who sure. took over. He essentially took over all the snaps that Anthony would have gotten. And he's been super touchdown dependent and limited action with this game being high scoring. Are you leaning more towards this, this injury causing Farouk to be the better play maybe at value or at cost, or do you like Anderson for maybe like 12, $1,300 cheaper more? Yeah. I lean Anderson in that mindset. And a lot of that comes into play with, how I think I'm going to be building this week um, and having a, a good deal of, of Gabriel in my lineups. Um, Anderson is a great uh, stack. Um, I think you're running it back with, you know, one of the, the central Florida receivers who, you know, it's a kind of a whack-a-mole situation with them, but you know, Kobe Hudson or uh, Javon Baker, um, both of those guys seem like uh, decent options to, to run back. But um, you know, I'm, if I have the salary to get up to Farouk in a few spots, I'm, I'm definitely open to that. 
Um, but I'm not going to be jamming him in by, by any stretch in the same, same way that I will with, with Nick Anderson. They really got Farouk like in, they used him in some yeah. rushing attempts. They, uh, they threw him a good bit. His lines are pretty, I wouldn't say aggressive, but they're like five and a half and 75 or 80 yards on uh underdog. So, you know, I think the, the market says that he definitely should have a solid game. Drew Drake Stoops yeah. is around five and a half receptions. I haven't seen anything on Nick Anderson, obviously. Um, I will probably have a good bit of Anderson, but the variance is just so high on him. Yeah. So it just might come, uh, might change run over run. That's uh, fair. In that same range, though, I might dock some of my Anderson so I can get more of Amari Thomas, the UAB receiver, yeah. who I believe is a freshman. He's looked pretty good against Georgia. I remember Jared on CTN was talking about him as a really good play or I'm sorry, as a, a guy that impressed him post some of those tougher games. Yeah. And he's gotten a bunch of targets. Like, yeah, yeah. he is the clear he is the clear receiver one for me. And this is the game that we've talked about. It's going to be high scoring. Is that kind of your same vibe going into the weekend? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it seems like they've really, really leaned on him in the tougher games. And in the game, it's funny, the games where Zeno has struggled, Amari Thomas has better performances. Yeah, you know I mean, we're looking at Georgia where he had nine receptions for 60 yards and a touchdown. We look at Tulane, he had eight receptions, 99 yards. Um, UTSA, nine receptions, 41 yards. Um, he He's peppered with these targets. And I, I think that just comes from the fact that, you know, he's Zeno's favorite target. Um, so when Zeno is in trouble, when he faces, you know, a higher pass rush, it does seem like Thomas has the... Uh, the better performances. So I, I think that there is a good opportunity in this one. Um, you know, Memphis isn't, uh, their, their defense aren't wor- world beaters, um, but they have the ability to, to dial up some pressure with some exotic packages and um, they've have performed admirably thus far. So I, I do think Thomas is a great play. Um, any interest in, uh, in chasing that miles cross uh, breakout performance and, uh, any of him, I know Wiggles is uh much more expensive, but um, cross two weeks two weeks out from a 35 point game. Um, any any desire in that passing attack at all? Uh, stacking a, a wide receiver if you're playing Rourke, I think you have to have a little bit of both, and maybe even like um, Tyler Walton, even yeah. due to his price. You know, ultimately, if you think. Rourke is worth rostering at a decent rate. You have to have, you have to stack them. And I think he has three interesting options, which are, which is helpful because they come at way different price points, 3,800, 5,000, 6,400. I think uh, I probably, man, what a hard, I'd probably lean the cheapest one, Walton, just because he's the cheapest. But I do think in terms of tournament plays, Cross and Wiggles have, you know, big upside. I mean, if Rourke is clicking and one of those two guys surely should have a big game. Yeah. That, that makes the most sense to me. I feel like, um, all right, let's, let's talk gross guys. Uh, do you have a, uh, a bargain bin receiver that you're looking at? I've, I've got one who's a little, I mean, he's, he's not as cheap as he should be, honestly, but we're, we're in a, uh, a tight end dead zone. And I feel like we need to get some tight end talk on <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I have one tight end and one non, and then I'm gonna I want to circle back to a couple of 4K guys. But um, Chaz Nimrod is my super gross one. 
I think he led the team in targets last week. This is a tough matchup against Bama. The what is what's the likelihood that they pass all that effectively? Who knows? But he's essentially in the one game since Brew McCoy got hurt, he has he filled in for like literally the exact amount of snaps that yeah. Brew would have played. So I think at 3,400, he makes a ton of sense in some form or fashion of rostering out. And then yeah. you know, you you probably wanted to lean into this guy, and that's why you brought up tight ends. Terrence Ferguson, the tight Ooh. end from Oregon. Is that who you were thinking at 3,700? Ferguson was not. I'm I'm even more gross than that. Um, but that's that's a good call. I do think he has some value in that his his targets seem to be upping a little bit, um, and they just score so many points. It do, it doesn't take much for him to get there. His last three games were four, five, and five targets. Yeah, you know, not the incredible target share, but considering the Oregon offense. If he just scores once or breaks a fifty-yard catch or something, right, he could easily get double digits. Who was? Who were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, Ferguson is a, a good option there. I feel like he, with the way that they distribute the ball, that's a uh, a decent chance trying to luck into a touchdown there. Uh, he gets decent usage. I was actually going to talk about Anthony Lanfear, the uh, tight end from uh, Memphis. Um, so we know Memphis has a history of putting out some some decent uh, tight ends, at least utilizing them in a, a, a good way. Um, Lanfear has two games with three receptions and another with four. Um, he is yet to record a touchdown in any of those games. Um, but just with, with the uh, Memphis offense and, and seeing them showcased in midweek games early this year, Landfear with a name that kind of jumped out to me. If Hennigan starts to struggle um, connecting on the deep ball at all um, or connecting with guys um, outside, they really don't hesitate to pull things in, you know, with Watson, with Landfear, getting those short, consistent passes and, and starting to get him into a rhythm. Um, and so I think that that's why we've seen Landfear have a little bit more usage uh, recently because Memphis has been playing in some harder games, some more difficult games. Um, so I think that he's a, a decent option. He's at 3,300 this week um, and seems, you know, it, it, gross, but a, a guy who I think is going to get some decent um, opportunity and, you know, a big body in the red zone in a high scoring game. You can, you can make a worse choice, I think. Yeah. Um, tight ends for Memphis have historically, at least the last few years, have been productive as well. Yeah, definitely. So I'm 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 a okay with paying that that little for a, a flyer there. Um, the other guy that I'm going to talk about is uh, uh, Tyler Warren, 4300. Um, last week Warren was very quiet, pretty quiet against UMass. He did have a touchdown, but you know, two for 14. Um, he makes his bread and butter. He makes his living with uh, with touchdowns. He's he's the red zone guy. Um, Theo Johnson caught two touchdown passes last week. Um, Tyler Warren had one. Yurisich loves going to his tight end. Um, and Tyler Warren is the guy close to the end zone. Um, it's, you know, a, a lower game total, but I think Warren has the, um, the touchdown equity, um, similar to, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> in the way that he, Close to the goal line, he is going to be the guy who gets the ball uh, if they're throwing the ball at all. Um, that being said, you know, he's only getting, you know, three, four targets a game. 
Um, nothing crazy for him. Um, but it's a it's a touchdown play. If you think that you know you're you're hurting for production at 4,300, um, this is a guy who could easily have a two touchdown game on you know four receptions. Yeah, and if you're rolling enough lineups, you need to diversify for the variance, anyways, at this position. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, I'll give a couple quick names that I think are worth mentioning, and then we'll we'll uh, round us out here. Demir cool. Blankensee has picked it up strong cool. for Memphis, 4,700. Rashad Owens uh, has taken over in the stribbling role, and I think he's got like 18 targets the last two games with 4,800 cost. And then uh, Will Pauling, who I think we all wanted him to be a thing at the very beginning. They rotated or just used a bunch of guys. I think he has 11 and 12 targets the last two games. Good matchup. So I, they were just force-feeding him more recently, and I wonder if they continue. They might with the backup yeah. quarterback in because he is kind of a safety net. So yeah. uh, ending the episode um, with our typical question, question, are we stacking? Are we double? Are we using two quarterbacks? Yes. Uh, I Again, I haven't experimented a ton with build, um, but just from what I see with salaries and, and you know, the typical distribution of, of where I'm spending up, I, I think that this is an easy week to do two quarterbacks. Yeah. And I think I, I agree. I, I, I might, it might be worth doing like a hand build for a couple of lineups for your, the ability to get like Harrison Jr. and Franklin in, but that's yeah. essentially the only way I'm going non two quarterback is yeah. to go high priced one quarterback, use my other super flex for Harrison and uh, Franklin as the receivers. So yeah. I agree with you, I, especially with all the just receivers I just rattled off and the ones yeah. that we previously mentioned, and especially with some interesting running backs being six, seven K, nothing crazy. I think you kind of have to go um, two quarterbacks, yeah. uh, especially with the value at quarterback, like Jensen Jones and Rourke and such. Yeah. But, yeah. Awesome. Well, hope you guys enjoyed. If you have not subscribed to campus to Canton, we have a plethora of options, whether it's Debbie, C2C, CFF, DFS, different prize picks content as well. So just check us out over at campus and hope you guys enjoy week eight. Enjoy the games, win some money, and, and catch us next week, guys.